0: Log
1: Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Haddit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Cook.
2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this fifth day of July, 2018. We're here with, uh, John Basser and, uh, uh, we're
0: getting an echo. Uh, sorry about that, I, I brought the volume up on my computer, Gerald, sorry.
2: Oh. <laughs> anyway, we're here with, uh, Jay Basser as co-host and, uh, uh, today our guest speaker is Dr. Craig Bash. He's a specialist in uh, medical diagnosis, radi- radiology, or uh, my gosh, you're you're into everything, Dr. Bash. How are you doing
3: today? Good, Dr. Bash. Here I'm good. I'm good. We'll answer some questions and see what topics you guys want to talk about.
2: Yeah, we was uh, wanted to start off with this pay it bill thing. Uh, what's your feelings on that? Where uh, they, you know, they cost yeah. some veterans their lives and something should be done about it.
3: That's yeah, good. I mean, this is all, I think, a rebound of when they funded the Inspector General last year. You know, the VA put a bunch of money and FTEs into the inspector general's office. And so these detailed evaluations of doctors' performance are really difficult to do. And so the inspector general has a bunch of doctors, and they heard about problems, and they went into and did a you know, deep dive research and found that that pathologist was um, was impaired, and then they uh, are now going back and trying to document all the different pro- cases that he reviewed that were wrong. You know, the, the problem with... My field radiology and pathology are oftentimes the last time the final diagnosis. And so if a pathologist calls something normal or calls something abnormal, or if a radiologist calls something normal or something abnormal, that can have a huge impact on the patient's life because oftentimes that stuff's never reviewed again for maybe a few years when, when, when the cancer gets out of control. So it's really sad. It sounds like a lot of patients were injured and died because of that process. It's good that the VA's got the Inspector General looking at it, and it's good they're going back and reviewing all those cases, which has taken them some time so they can try and correct the problems. But, you know, the, the impaired physicians are can cause a lot of damage.
2: I believe it goes back uh, more than just uh, uh, three or four years. I had a brother-in-law down there. They didn't diagnose him until... Uh, he was in stage four cancer, and, uh, of course, he didn't last long after the cancer's all through him. And uh, yeah. uh, that's well, been, been t- about ten years ago. So I yeah, don't you, believe don't this you? is a new problem.
0: It yeah. went back to 2005 with this pathologist, Gerald. <clears throat> yeah.
3: Well, yeah, Dr. You know. Well oh. oh, yeah. Well if he had doctors you know, doctors can stay in one place for a long time, thirty years, and so if he was marginal yeah. for a while it could cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to um you know, they said he just up like thirty thousand cases in a year, so yep. hospitals yep. have a hospitals have a quality assurance program to try and look at things, you know, to tr- double check on doctors, but sometimes these pathologists or radiologists sometimes they're end the line and you don't have you know, there's only have one or two of them in the whole hospital, so you can't really Review the work very easily. to send it out. If you have clinic doctors, clinic doctors, other doctors can review the work with pathology and radiologists. Are so specialized that nobody can really read what they were doing. You
0: know. Mm.
3: Yeah. Well, it's
2: too bad that it, it happened. Uh, there should be a way of of keeping check on this sort of thing. So. Well, there is you know, now. I'm,
0: he got fired. Oh, is Well, yeah, (laughs) he got fired. But in 2016, they found out he was messing up, and they put him in some sort of special rehabilitation program. I think it's geared specifically to doctors, uh, which is a good idea, because let's face it, a lot of doctors become addicts. Uh, I don't know if the man's problem was alcohol or drug abuse, but they let him, they felt he was Clean and they let him back into the, uh, you know, let him do his regular job again. uh, After I guess he was in quite a few months in the rehabilitation program, and that's when he started messing up again and he became impaired again. And that's when they were getting complaints from his coworkers. They just couldn't put up with it anymore, Uh, and he did get fired. But uh, so far, they've looked at 900 cases. They found seven definite misdiagnosed veterans, and two potentially possible deaths caused by this pathologist. Uh, A lot of the news is uh, inaccurate, and believe me, I'm trying to get it squared away uh, with some of these uh, people. Uh, Some of the news in Arkansas said Congressman Westerman uh, was told by the VA that the pathologist did cause one death so far. I called uh, Westerman's office in Washington, and his public affairs officer told me, no, they said he may have caused one death. I said, oh, that's different. I said, I think he may have caused two so far. (laughs) They didn't want to hear that. But uh, Fayetteville, VA, their own interim director is trying to keep this, as he said in the newspaper, as a local incident. And that's why you're not hearing it yet on Fox News and this and that. And I already called the White House and and griped about it and uh, they filed a complaint for me because I feel VA Central Office should make a statement on this because you guys know these veterans we're talking about veterans that were treated there in two thousand and five on up. A lot of those veterans didn't stay in Arkansas, they moved. Uh, they might have given their regional office their new address for a claim, but maybe they never gave it to the medical center, and you all know v a is very good about sending out letters that never get to who they send them to, you know, like c and p exams appointments yeah yeah, sure. yeah so uh, i i I don't trust what they're doing uh i i uh i it's gonna get bigger before it gets better but. Uh, that's well, yeah, all I
3: yeah, Dr. Bash, it should get really big because, you know, VA has hundreds of radiologists and hundreds of pathologists, and all those guys' work should be reviewed somehow systematically. Probably sent, you know, a certain percent should be sent to other hospitals outside or inside to double-check because this is, might just be the tip of the iceberg. There might be other pathologists out there doing the same kind of damage, you know, hundreds of hospitals.
0: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's scary, Dr. Bash, and you know about what my husband went through. You did two fabulous uh, medical opinions for me, Uh, and I learned that if misdiagnosis starts and goes on for years, it has a snowball effect because my husband ended up with one misdiagnosis right away and ended up being uh, almost 300% disabled because they misdiagnosed uh four three or four other situations no. uh, you know, and um and and only Doctor Bash is the type of doctor that I, I just feel that you're so detailed, Doctor Bash. And you unlike the VA, you read everything. You know, these these guys men and women, they hand in their claims. That doesn't mean VA is gonna really look through their medical records or their service records real good. Uh, but you do that, and I commend you for being so, um, you know, uh, capable. of – I mean, you see things that we can't see in the medical and if we can't so see I'm sure, pla- the VA hasn't seen it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, That's the way it's
3: supposed to work. The doc should be able to pick out a few things that people don't see. But the other thing is, um, you know, you're right about the idea that the uh, that the that the misdiagnosis can be propagated or be you know, passed on, because kind of a little unknown um, concept is that docs are kind of afraid to change other docs' diagnoses. Yeah, uh, yeah. You assume yeah. that doctor before you did a good job or he had more date, de- de- date, data than you did, and so we're kind of reluctant to do that. So especially like a nurse practitioner or a PA is not going to be changing doctor's diagnosis. So, you know, if once that bad diagnosis, either normal or abnormal, gets in the chart, it can be a big problem for a lot of years, as you we were talking about. yeah. Well,
2: they'll get it ironed out, I hope, uh, without, you know, you would think they'd get, get a hold of these veterans ASAP because uh, there could be some some real, you know, uh, misdiagnosis
0: Yeah, running
2: around all over the country.
0: Uh, Gerald, when I first heard of the story, it was in a Google alert. I get them all the time on Lots of problems with the VA. I looked at the Google Alert, and there were two articles there. The second one, instead of posting the link it had it, uh, I emailed the law firm mentioned in the uh, uh, article, and uh, I emailed them. Within a couple hours, a lawyer called me, and we talked for quite a long time. Uh, he thought I was a lawyer. I said, oh, no, no, but I'm an ftca or so I know how it goes. And I brought, I said, I have three concerns. And he said, every concern I had, his law firm had discussed already that day because they were already getting calls from veterans. But you know what? Another problem is see, there's a statute of limits. And I told him that letter, the VA might call that the beginning of the statute of limit for an FDCA uh, cause of action. And we still don't know yet. And and I mean, between you and me, don't tell anybody, but the VA will do all they can to piss away the two-year statute of limits. But
1: mm-hmm. veterans can but, still
0: file an 1151 claim. Still, no,
1: they can still uh, sue too because the the statute of limitations also based on the date this date of discovery. And if this situation, the date of discovery just happened a few months ago, then they they cannot use that 10-year rule.
0: Well. Yeah, because
1: it's, it's the er, most imp- the well, most important term is data discovery.
0: Well, there there's quite a, a bit to it and uh, we discussed two other very important issues. One of them uh he said we're getting calls already from these veterans. He said and they tell us their whole story. You know, like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> they get tangential and, and, and he's trying the this law firm's going to have to stick to the letters they got. And whatever they get next from the DA, but they need their medical records because I told the lawyer the first thing that brings you their medical records, you're going to be able to know the name of the pathologist. You're going to see it in the records. And um, I've narrowed it down to I think three people it could be because, well, that's a well that's a long story. But in any event, uh, they only need a a brief form to get their medical records. Some of them are trying and waiting for the records, and they haven't gotten them yet. And lawyers cannot help them until they see those medical records. And uh, luckily, uh, a lot of the veterans will do that right away because the name of the doctor is in there. But I told the lawyer, you don't need a name to start a, a lawsuit because you're, you will settle like I did with the United States of America. Uh, on my form, my SF95 form, Dr. Bash, when I first started uh, that process, there's a part that that says witnesses, because, you know, this is the same form, like, say, the post office uh, runs somebody over. That's where you write down the witnesses. You know, it covers a whole lot of areas, not just the VA, but any federal uh, entity. But as witnesses, I put down all the names of the doctors who treated my husband for six years that I could figure out, because some of them, these were handwritten, uh, you know, notes, and a lot of the names were foreign names. They were very hard to uh, find. Uh, but they don't need that. I didn't settle with a doctor. I settled with the United States of America under the auspices of general counsel. So... I was surprised that the lawyer I talked to didn't really realize that, but I think it's his boss uh, that knows more about, you know, the malpractice issue. But um, but in any event, there's a lot to it. I don't, you know, I, I don't, well, I think I better shut up because I could talk about this stuff all day and all night, <laughs> but, uh, and I think I'm going to hang up and enjoy the show just sitting here in, in the dark with my computer. And uh, a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> my cholesterol's real good, Doctor Doctor Bash. My God, my I'm That's a very good. old person, and I'm in excellent health. I just got a great checkup. But you know, I think exercise and eating right, and staying away from the funny drugs and alcohol and smoking, it makes a difference in, in, a, in a person's life. You know. But I'm going to hang up. I'm going to enjoy the show. And I hope others call in. Um, and I hope they're listening. It's 347-237-4819. If you call in, you'll hear the English woman, and then you have to press 1 to get into the uh, caller queue. So we'll see how that goes, Gerald. But bye guys. Great to talk to you again, Craig. Yep, yep.
3: See you later.
0: Yep. Okay.
2: Okay. Thanks, Roberta. You back. Okay, uh, Doctor Bash, you was wanting to discuss uh, some of the items you had on your web page here, like CMP examinations, uh, uh, and other different
3: things you had here. Sleep apnea. Oh yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of. Uh, on my website, I've got like a bunch of things called Bash Bulletins. And there's okay, a bunch of okay. different, bunch of different things on there that, that people could uh, read and then ask ask questions about. One of the one one of the new ones I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do had to, had a thing about six or eight reasons why you should pursue a 100% c- claim. You know, continue pursuing it. I looked at it and I made it about made it about ten reasons. So one of one reason I thought about why you should pursue a, a 100% claim was. If the medical codes are wrong, like we just talked about, the diagnosis is incorrect, you know? So if you have a, if you have a rating decision that has your, the wrong diagnosis on it, then you should, regardless of whether you're 100% or not, you should still go back and make sure that diagnosis is correct, you know? That can make a difference. Uh,
2: the yeah, because a lot of times they've been low and We find that they've been low uh veterans to where they should be 20%, uh, 30 40%. Rating, uh, they're giving them a ten percent rating,
3: and uh, yep. that that's not right. Yep, I see that. I'm also seeing a lot of hundred percenters or fifty percenters that get awarded, and then like a week or two later, the VA does some kind of internal review, and takes them back to zero or, or un- unrates them. Yes. Do you guys see that more
2: recently? Uh, yeah, we have seen that. Yeah. Uh, um, because we right. had some they, veterans right. there on had it that was we were afraid that you know after they were awarded that the BA was going to come back and hit them. But, um,
3: yeah, they do that a lot. You see, I've never saw it before. We'd do it. like in a couple of weeks. They go back and change it. The other thing is the lumping. The lumping diagnosis. <coughs> like I saw a guy the other day that had like sleep apnea, asthma, and gastroesophageal reflux. They gave him fifty percent. <laughs> so they lump they're lumping all this stuff together. They lump spinal cord, bladder, and, and um, I don't know something else unrelated, lung, you know, t- together for 20%. They lump all these unrelated things all together, and the veteran thinks that they're rated for everything. And if you split them out, they'd have a much higher rating, but the VA lumps them together. Oh man! So in other that reason, means another reason a too, longer fight. Yeah, right. So you un gotta unwind all that stuff and you know, the veteran doesn't know, he doesn't know that, that these things aren't related. He sees, he's, he thinks he has he tells his buddy, you know, are you rated for asthma? Yeah, I'm rated for asthma. Are you rated for GERD? You are rated ready for GERD. Yeah, I'm rated for, for sleep apnea altogether for fifty percent. <laughs> oh man. Because sleep apnea by itself is fifty percent, you know, if you are on sleep So that's one reason you should go back, make sure the codes are right. Another reason is looking for secondary medical conditions. So, you know, say a guy has a spinal cord injury and then he gets gets uh kidney Kidney failure, well that kidney failure could be a secondary reason to a spinal cord injury, and so he should get he should go back and correct his record and make sure he gets secondary conditions, even if he's hundred percent you know because he can get into the s m c codes. The third reason I thought about was like this is called tertiary conditions, so say the guy has a spinal cord injury and then he gets kidney problems, and then he gets a stroke from his kidneys, hypertension that would be the stroke might be a tertiary condition, you know secondary, secondary. And you should go back, that just should, even if it's 100%, should go back and make sure you get connected for that. So you know, another reason I thought about was to prevent future reductions. I think that if you have a lot of claims and they're all interrelated, you know, intertwined cases, with a lot of different things, it makes it a lot harder for the VA to come back in the future and reduce you, because know, you have to go through a lot of different hoops to do that. So I think that the more claims you have, the more cases you're rated for. The less likely they are to, you know, cut you from 100 down to something very small.
2: Well, yeah, I'd say if you get up around two, 300 percent, it's going to be hard to cut you back. But, yeah. uh yeah. a lot more difficult anyway. Uh, but where they got you low ball going in, then they come along and maybe raise it a little bit and they uh they get upset with you, they cut you ratings.
3: Uh, right. All right. So you go back and ask for an increase and they cut you right, right. right. Yeah. And a lot of guys a lot of guys go for increase and all of a sudden they end up with half as much as they started with, you know. Uh,
2: that's that's usually where it uh, happens at is when they're asking for these increases man, uh I don't think it's fair that the VA does what they're doing there. They end up cutting their benefits yeah. instead of in- increasing them, putting them up
3: where they belong. I've had really good luck I've had really good luck with the severances. You know, I don't think I've had a single severance yet that the VA tried to sever a guy that I didn't get it reversed. But there's a lot of there's a lot of rules around severances thats given another exam, they have to give them a chance to appeal, they have to give them, you know, 60, 90, 120 days to reappeal. So I've been lucky with those. But so the veteran shouldn't be afraid to go after the benefits he needs, but at the same time, he's got to have some advocate to help him, too, because he be a run of over. Oh, number, Lord, number, four. Yeah. Yep. number four, number five is the veteran should know that 100% is often not permanent, right? 100% is not permanent for... 20 years and you know they can't change the code at 10 years so a lot of veterans see that the permanent total but permanent total is not really permanent total radius it's just a designator for taxes and other kinds of benefits
2: yeah so that's
3: important uh, for veterans.
2: yeah because if they change the codes then they would want to come back and, and do a number on you again
3: All right Another, another one that, that had it talked about was TDIU. The idea that TDIU is not 100% forever, you know. They might they talk about phasing the TDIU out at a certain age right down the road.
2: Uh, uh, well, I could say the brain making some improvements, but I don't know. <laughs> <huh? laughs> right,
3: right, right, about. right. right. TDIU yeah, TDI? is...
2: That, that that's a bad one anyway because it's a hard to get and they they really messed up a lot of veterans and calling that a personality disorder. Uh,
3: right, 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 yeah, right. And they might they're talking about phasing that TDIU out when you get to be a certain age, like when you're eligible for Social Security, or whatever. They might change, you know, some words about that. So veterans should we'll be careful. Get, is to try and get. get Go ahead.
2: Getting social security ain't going to help your TDIU.
3: I know. I know. But they were talking about maybe trying to change that where they might reduce the TDIU if you're eligible for that at a certain age. They'll phase out, phase out the TDIU. Amen. Oh.
2: I yeah. I just don't see that.
3: Yeah. Well, it could
2: happen, but <laughs> it, right. it, it. It's something that shouldn't happen. Uh, some of these guys really got hit hard.
1: That's Mister Nick Mulvaney in the budget office, that's the budget director. That's his idea.
3: That's his idea.
1: You think that's yeah, Nick that, That's going to get any wins?
3: It's going to get any winners. will uh, hope Hopefully,
1: die. From what I hear in my circles, no. But, okay. Uh, good. You know, you know, Agent Orange bill passed on. One, what, what part? Their uh, Blue part Water, water Navy coming? bill. Blue Water oh, Blue, Navy, uh, Blue. Coast Coast Coast, Agent Orange. Blue Water yeah, Navy, Blue water, I, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, so uh, now now, if you go get a VA loan for a house, you got to pay it. you got to pay extra fees for it to pass the Senate. The veterans are paying the Blue Water Navy.
3: Oh, I see. They're going to pay the fee to cover the Blue Water Navy. Yeah, it's called Robin
1: Peter so- Pay Paul.
3: Right, right. So Blue Water Navy is going to be considered just like boots on the ground, right, Agent Orange? hmm uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it probably makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because I know a lot of those guys got their fruits and vegetables and they got their water and all that stuff on the shore, right? So this stuff was probably in the ships anyway.
2: Yeah, but they shouldn't uh, be making other veterans say.
3: Right, uh, I agree with that. You
2: know, if they determined that uh, yes, indeed, the Blue Water Navy was exposed to Agent Orange, and uh, then the BA should pay it up. They shouldn't have to go around with a tin cup and a hat to the other veterans that, uh, you know, been uh, uh, awarded. Uh, benefits and taking money
3: from them, trying to offset, right? to offset the cost. Yes. Right. 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 They've never
2: done that.
3: They've never done that before. They did a lot of Agent Orange cases to try and take it from the veterans. They should just pay for it.
2: Well, yeah. They should yeah. just pay for it. If. If, well, that, that if that, they're for Agent Orange, then pay for
3: it. Right, right. That passed uh, the House, you
2: said? Yes, it has passed the House. We'll see how it does in the Senate, but uh, uh, it has passed the House. And I was surprised that... Uh, uh, some of them congressmen didn't uh, bring up the issues of that. If they were exposed, and the uh, BA admits they were exposed, uh, then the BA should pay. Right. But I think if, if it does get through the Senate, it'll be the beginning of a, a big deal like that. Next thing comes along, they'll do the same thing once they start getting rid of it or getting away with it. But anyway, back to your
3: chart yep. here, Dr. <laughs> Hey, another another reason another re- another reason to uh to appeal a hundred percent is to make sure your dates of claim are right, right? A lot of times the VA will give you effective dates that are half what they're supposed to be or third or something like that. So you yes. just get a hundred percent, you know.
2: Yeah, for yes, a year, you know. Uh, it's quite a deal. And on these yeah. uh CMP examinations there ain't very many veterans get a non-CMP examination. And uh, as you know, I imagine a lot of your work is offsetting the CMP examiner. uh,
3: Yeah, that's one of the first uh, things to ask for is a CMP exam because oftentimes they're done by nurse practitioners and PAs that, you know, P anders practitioner even as old as the veterans claim is, you know, this claim might be, you know, 30 years old, and they don't even have the same experience to cover. These cases are complicated, you know. These these cases go back; they might go back 20 or 30 years and involve multiple different diagnoses over time and different testing that's changed over time. And so, you know, the C&P oftentimes is just asked to look at one issue. They don't ask them to look at the secondary or tertiary issues we just talked about, and or they don't, And the C&P guy nurse practitioner is not going to change the diagnosis because they have a clear wrong diagnosis through there. So I spend a lot of my time trying to correct those, you know, CMPs. So I'll say that I agree with this part of the CMP and I disagree with that part, or I agree with this part and I disagree with that part, so I can go through and try and be a referee on these cases. So uh-huh. most, of the veterans, you know, most of the veterans, you know, I think a lot of the P's are biased against the veteran. I think that's right now.
2: It. Uh, I. I agree. I. I think they are biased against veterans. Would it pay a veteran, uh, or will they
3: allow a veteran to take a tape
2: recorder with them?
3: Well, I always thought you know my in my uh, in my meetings, I always say take a witness if you can you know take your wife or take your caretaker with you, you know document who it was doctor and practitioner, number one, you know document how long the exam took you know. You know, trying to see if, it, see if the doctor or whatever read your file before you got there so you have an idea what their preparation is. I don't think they, you know, sometimes I've had patients go into CMP and they won't let any witnesses. And I never actually had a patient go with a recorder, but um, I imagine they may, may or may not allow that. I'm not sure what the rules are.
2: I'm not either. I was thinking my next CMP, I'd take a tape recorder because. What they tell you and what comes out
3: on in the papers is different things. I had some patients. I had some patients uh, that go to exams now, or any kind of a medical record, and with those drills, they just wait. and say, "Okay, I want to see a copy of my report before I leave here." You know, and they make them give them something before they leave so they can validate what they said is what was recorded. Because you know, Do you're right. A lot of
1: times, You need to get a smartphone. You need to get an iPhone put in your computer when you walk in there, hit that recording button, let it stay on. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I ain't got no smartphone. Ain't even got no.
1: You can borrow one. You can download it to your computer, too. In a hurry? Yeah. MP three format. Uh, we'll make a show out
2: of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see it being an issue and I know I'm not the only veterans had these uh problems. Uh, they tell you one thing, and uh now everything's on a disk. So you don't get you're not able to see what they're looking at. And because uh, it's in their computer. So you tell them something, they start typing, uh, you don't know what they're really saying. Right. But uh, you, you did bring up a good point. You can ask them uh, to see a copy of that report because they typed it up and it's on the computer. It'd be
3: no problem for them to run you off the top. Right. I've had my patient do that and just sit there and say, I just, he sits there and makes them fix it before he leaves. Well,
2: that's a good idea.
3: Yeah. You know, garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah. That's true. So something else to think about if you have hundred percent is make sure you have S M C codes so the VA goes above hundred percent. I call it three hundred percent up to maximum S M C but special monthly compensation code, so that's another reason to appeal. You know, spinal cord or T B I, neurologic, M S.
1: You know, all those SMC yeah, codes well, are they're,
3: important to make sure.
1: There's a caveat there, Doctor Bash, and the higher level SMC. and yeah. I mean yeah. you can have it you can be up to you could be three, four hundred percent as long as you uh if if you don't have the need for aid to ten. Aid eight to ten is the big kicker. The SMC L, right? That's the right, one that puts, right. that puts you over the threshold to the higher right. levels. But if you don't have L, then you know it's eight to ten. is the biggest issue there. Yeah,
3: you no, know, I, yeah, I understand. that a lot of veterans don't really understand all those different codes, you know. So yeah. they, they all stop at 100, but some of them might be eligible. A lot, actually, a lot of my patients these days that come to me, you know, TBI guys, spine, MS, are eligible for you know, loss of legs and bowel bladder SMCs. They don't. Yeah. They don't understand it. So SMC is a big issue for them to. And it's tricky. I understand mm-hmm. it's got it's got stop gaps and stuff in there. But it's something to think about. And don't take
1: don't take consider foot drop as loss of use.
3: Yeah. See the foot drop. The loss of use. I had a veteran's judge talk to me about that one day because you know, a lot of us think about loss of use as just being in a wheelchair, right? But the veteran's right. judge said that loss of use can be due to like neuropathy and balance issues, especially if the uh-huh. person is. Having, having falls and so foot drop foot drop falls in that category because a lot of patients with foot drop have a lot of falls and a lot of veterans don't want to talk about the stoic and the wives they they fell and broke a wrist or ribs or whatever you know and the guy's still you know grappling along so yeah so we have to remember the diabetes and the neuropathies and the foot drops so all those things can fall into the lost use category depending on how bad they are well uh, the, how rock, about
1: how, how oxygen yeah go ahead your oxygen what? <laughs> well, I
2: say, uh, what about being confined oh. to a wheelchair where you can't walk and you have to ride in a
3: wheelchair yeah yeah that's a, that's the classic loss of use definition of wheelchair use, you know, and a lot of my oh, veterans, okay. you know yes you know, you know, so a lot of my veterans I tell them if you know these guys are walking around with canes and crutches and falling, I tell them you know I write an order, you have to have a wheelchair you know it, it's not fair for a veteran to be stoic and falling and and have neuropathy and not get credit for his loss of use because he's not in a wheelchair. A lot of times, back to the CMP exam, if the the CMP examiner sees a patient, you know, in a wheelchair in a 10-minute exam, his loss of use is going to be much more likely than if he sees a veteran, you know, walking with a cane or crutches in a 10-minute exam. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't really have an idea, you know, that neuropathy is not well developed and and he doesn't know so much about his falling history and stuff like that.
1: important about Meniere's disease.
3: That's a balance problem. Yeah, I don't know. That uh, gets like 100% by itself. Now you're talking about maybe trying to get SMC for loss of use, right? That's right. I, <laughs> I haven't had a case like that. It's an interesting thing to think about. You, know, you
1: could argue. You could argue that the guy's got There's a first form of rot. What's that? There's a first time for everything.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. No, I'm not discounting. I'm just going through the thought process.
1: So you could argue that the yeah, person but, has, you know, you
3: know, neurologic
1: problems. Right. I'm talking Meniere's due to spinal cord. It's like a spinal cord injury.
3: Oh, yeah, so you get balance problems. Yeah, right. So if you have balance problems, yeah, if you have balance problems, you're falling, that could, that could count, yes. Yeah,
1: oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah.
3: That's my idea. You know, he got push back on that, of course, of battle, Dr. Battle, but that's okay. That's all
1: right. We got a, I know a good doctor that can write an IMO.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. like <That's> right. Battle. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind pushing the VA to think outside the box, you know, because the code, you know, the reading mm. schedule is only two thousand codes, and we have sixty-five thousand codes in regular medicine. So there's going to be a lot of gray area in there. Some of these things will fall into that category. Now,
1: mm. okay. What's your take on this new VA ramp system for these appeal processes?
3: Oh yeah, the ramp system. You guys want to, Somebody want to explain ramp system to the audience, and I can
1: weigh in, or we
3: want how you want to tackle it. This,
1: do, it, you're, do it, Dr. bash style. I like it. I like your style. All right, all
3: right, all right. So the ramp.
1: I don't like the ramp. I don't like the ramp program.
3: <laughs> so I mean, there. You know, I know there's a 400,000 wait list at the BVA, and I know that that the ramp program is promising to decide the cases quicker for the veteran. But the problem is when you start reading the, the fine print, the, uh, the 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 second appeal on the ramp program does not allow any new any new evidence to be admitted. So basically what happens if they deny it the first time, they, you get a second look at it, but the second look only gets to look at the evidence the first guy looked at. So then you're back in the same boat as that pathologist. You know, if the pathologist makes a mistake and the second guy just says that mistake's right, then it's just rubber stamps it. So you get two, you get two denials, you know, and you so then you're back in the same boat, back to the BVA. And luckily at the BVA, I think they said that new evidence could come in. So, you know, that means my letters can come in. but. I think every veteran that has an appeal should be allowed to bring in new evidence if they have new medical opinions, because that's really important stuff that can decide the case. So I don't like the ramp because it shortcuts. It makes the VA's job a lot easier because there's nothing else new to look at. But it hurts the veteran because the veteran doesn't have any new evidence to help support his case. So new lay letters, maybe a new x-ray, maybe pathology report, maybe maybe they find some new pathology from that Fayetteville guy that was wrong. They can't even bring that in on on the ramp program. I think it's
0: bad.
3: Hmm. Dr. Bash,
2: <laughs> Okay. Uh, where do you want to go next here, Dr. Bash?
3: Well, I got another one on my list here. I got number eight. What's number eight say? Oh, just the idea that permanent total—you know, permanent total—that suffix is not—it's not permanent. It's not—you know—it's not permanent. So the veterans just need to know that those aren't permanent codes for ten years and twenty years. So if yeah. they have some irregularities in their code, they shouldn't just rely on a permanent total. To, a lot of guys, a lot of guys get permanent total and they—they they go to sleep for a couple of years, and all of a sudden the VA comes back and cuts on them. They go, "What's this about?" Uh, T.
2: Well, the permanent and total would wouldn't that lock him in, lock the veteran in on the on the disability?
3: Uh, no, it doesn't. It just it just is a designated that lets them get benefits like for, you know, free property taxes, and they get benefits for the children's colleges and wife medical and stuff, stuff like that. But they can change that permanent total anytime they want to, up to. You know, 10 years they can't change the code, and 20 years they can't change the percent. So any veteran needs to know, and any of those permit total codes can be re-looked at anytime time they want to. Oh,
2: so I this, see.
3: Yeah, so it's important for the veteran to know that so that he doesn't, you know, he might have secondary conditions. He over, like a guy might have, like you talked about renal failure, you might just overlook it because he's 100% already. But if you if you knew his permanent total wasn't permanent, he might go back and put a secondary claim in for kidney failure, for example protect himself, so, so it's good to know that permanent total is not, not permanent. It's confusing at all. Well,
2: number 10, uh, number 10 all
3: right.
2: is, go ahead, doc.
3: Oh, yeah, number, number 10 is CUE. <laughs> so a lot of times, guys will have, a, will have a case where they might have 100%, and the VA says, okay, we'll grant you 100% as of 5 July 2018, and the veteran might want to go back and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you guys made a mistake. Let's go back to that pathologist. That pathologist might be a CUE someday. Anyway, that pathologist made a mistake way back in the day. You know, my case should go back to the date the guy made the mistake or whatever, you know. So the CUE could be a big deal to them for retroactive benefits and codes, but something they might want to pursue even if they're 100%. You know, especially the VA. Yeah, you can make you can make make a point that the VA knew that pathologist was impaired and they kept using him. Then a lot of those old cases that he decided could be clear error, that could be clear like a clear administrative error on the VA's part. They should not have been using that pathologist, maybe. You know, it's a lot of legal a lot of legal stuff in there, but I can see that they might
1: there might be cases that could go back backwards on that on those
3: on those areas. Doctor Bash, I believe, I believe
1: your sidekicks made it.
3: Uh, which one? Tell me which one.
1: Uh, very cold nine two five. Is that California? Nine two five. Oh yeah, is that uh, Alice? Is Alice
3: on there? Alice is here. Can you hear me? Hey Alice. Yep. Yep. So Alice is All my right. uh, my executive assistant. She helps me process cases and she kind of brokers cases to different people. And so a lot, of you guys, if you work with me, you might end up talking to Alice about different stuff. Alice might have some questions for us too on the way.
4: I do. Come I 11? do have one question for you.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. This just came up the other day. If 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 a veteran's putting in a claim and he gets a um, every, everything's done, they did the CMP exam and he gets a negative CMP exam, would it be would he be more adv- Would it be more to his advantage to have contract another letter to dispute the CMP's re- negative report or wait for the decision and then go back and file a notice of disagreement with them?
3: That's a good question. You know me, I never want to wait. I never want to wait for these cases. But, yeah, so that's two ways to go, two strategies. The, um, usually if I get a copy of the c report and it's wrong, then I'll, then I'll just say that the CMP report's wrong or challenge it based on x-rays or whatever and go back, and that could be like a reconsideration because they could see that the CMP was wrong. Or, you know, it might, sometimes that triggers that triggers a third and fourth CMP, and then they start reviewing my work and review the doctor's work, and then one of the VA doctors tries to referee that. The problem is if you wait, if you wait too long for the decision to come out, it might be months or years or weeks, who knows where it is, but if you wait for that decision to come out, then... It's even harder for me sometimes to overrule that or change it because I got changed to change the CMP and then also I have to change the mind of the Raider, you know, trying to convince him that, that I'm right and the CMP guy's wrong. So sometimes in cases like that, I might have to get another doctor. I might have to get two doctors to decide on my side if they agree and then we can challenge it. But yeah, so once those decisions, you know, you also have pride. The Raider has pride. The Raider, sometimes the Raiders might get dinged for making an error. You know, so the reader might have a lot of reasons not to change his mind, even if the evidence is overwhelming on the right side once he's written it down, you
4: know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's the same, same principle. Is anybody that's made a decision, it's a lot harder to turn that decision around than it is to catch it before that final is made.
3: <laughs> right, right. That's a good question.
4: Yes. Okay.
3: Then another um, the, the reason the patients might want to challenge 100% is like we're talking about a little bit psychological satisfa- satisfaction. They might want to say that you know a lot of patients don't even care about their rating they just care that, that they got credit for being a blue-water Navy, like you're talking about I was exposed to Agent Orange and blue-water Navy, and they want that satisfaction of having that decision in their favor, you know, even regardless of, of um, what their percent is. And that also goes back to that thing Alice was talking about where, you know, once again, you might want to put a CMP or a second, you know, my D, my DBQs are basically a CMP. So you put a DBQ in to challenge the other CMP to help the patient get satisfaction out of their decision or whatever they want from the correct correct diagnosis and code. What's what your was thought
2: there? on those DBQs, doctor? What's that? What was your question?
0: Well, what's
2: your thought on those DBQs?
3: Well, I never used to like DBQs, you know, because I, I used I used to put the DBQ right in my letter, basically. i do the exam and put it in my letter. Yes. And the DBQs are cumbersome, and they're, you know, they got this ACE program where you can talk to the patient on the phone, and, you know, some states don't like that. They want you to see the patient, you know, for state licensing, and, you yes. know, the federal rules, there's a challenge between the federal rules on medical care and reports and the state rules. They just decided federally about the medical record, where they could say, that, you know, that they actually decided so that doctors can make decisions across state lines for veterans in some places, you know. And some states now are allowing multiple state licenses, so you have a state license, and it's good in several states. So the DBQ crosses some of those lines because the DBQ is kind of a medical record summary, a little bit of medical exam. You know, it might be done for a patient in Kansas, I'm in Maryland or California for somebody somewhere else. So, you know, it's a lot of gray area there, so it puts the doctor a little bit of liability for you know the the rules between the state and the federal, but beyond all that, you know the DBQ now is a good way that I can challenge if it's in, incorrect. You know, and challenge the CMP exam by a nurse practitioner or a PA or some VA doctor. And I can, you know, I can order X-rays, I can order endoscopies, MRI scans, and use those things and weave those into the DBQ as part of the as part of the workup. And so, and the VA is used to it now, and everybody's kind of used to doing them. So it's becoming kind of part of the whole application application process. Basically anybody that has a new, a new claim probably should have DBQ. The, some of the older claims the patient already has a DBQ but then they need to have the nexus letter so some of those patients I won't do DBQ, I'll just do a nexus letter because that's all they really need for step one you know, with the VA. Ah, oh, it's
2: a complicated issue. Yeah. All the way through, and it's getting uh, more complicated, I believe.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, are they going to be adding more uh, presumptive type uh, claims, or are they going to be taken away? It sounds like they're trying to combine uh, different issues instead of handling them independently.
3: That's right. That's right. So they might take they might take some presumptive diagnosis and lump it with a couple others and give the guy a rating. So, um, and you know, raiders raiders love to do that because it gets it off their desk, right? To take them up three or four cases together, give them a presumptive code, and you know, send the case out. That's less work for the reader. So, I don't, know. I don't know what the strategy is about numbers of presumptive diagnosis. Imagine over time, in my lifetime, over time, they've added presumptive diagnosis every year or two. So. Well,
2: that's not good. Uh... So that means the veteran has to get a little bit more wiser, or quite a bit more wiser, uh, before he tackles this VA. He's got to go in with some
3: professional help. Yeah, those lump codes, those lump codes are really confusing to the veterans. You know, even on the coded rating sheet, I don't think they break them out. So I think, I think that any any code that you're rated for should have a rating. Any code that lumps should have a rating, a separate, independent rating for that code. That's the only way to do it. Because otherwise, they lump them together, and you don't know what's going on. They're doing a lot of that. You know, some guy will have twelve, they'll have twelve cases. They'll lump four of them together and give them three codes and, and, and close the case. You know.
2: Oh man! Then take forever to get that squared away again.
3: Yeah, because you don't know, you don't know exactly what they co what they rate you for that's yeah. muddy. It's muddy water right
2: well it must be I think they have a code a stupid code they use
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah I don't know how in the world uh, uh The B.A.'s not getting any easier to deal with, so it takes uh, people with your type of expertise to help get them through the maze there uh, on the medical side of it. Because, uh, like, poor veteran, he ain't going to know if they combined a whole bunch of stuff.
3: (laughs) Give him 10% and tell him how lucky he is. Right, right. And the admin side is hard to where Alice comes in because she can help them work through some of these issues, too, because you have know, the intent to file. You know, you've know, you got these ideas about whether they do a ramp program or not. You know, There's a lot of issues that we can help with on both sides of the fence. Ah,
2: uh,
3: This almost calls
2: for special schooling just to get through the VA.
3: Well, that's what I tell my doctor buddies. you know if somebody wants to do veterans cases, it's you know medicine's hard enough within the veterans law, and the other side takes you know several years to kind of work out what's going on, and it's always changing too, so it's almost like a whole new training program doing veterans these veterans opinion because there's so much on the law side that has to weave into the medical opinion. It's like another residency kind of you know yeah it's, well...
0: The only thing you can
2: do is keep fighting them. Uh, We're running close on time here, Doctor. Uh, You want to give us your contact information?
3: Yep, I'll do one for Alice first. It's 925-408-7984. 925-408-7984 for Alice. You can get to me pretty easily. And my, you know, my easy way to get me is probably by my email drbash at doctor dot com, delta bash at doctor dot com. Um, most of those emails Alice fields those too, so we get kind of double coverage on those. And um, you know, if you fill out that little um, consult form I have on my website, that helps us a little bit, makes it a little easier for you. And then um, you know, if you get the CMP exams. CMP exams are important, like we talked about, and VA decisions, of course, are important. That's a good place for us to start. And then we can look and see what the VA is doing and try and help you, you know, get a right medical opinion and access letter.
2: Well, what makes it bad is you go to one CMP, and, of course, they do you under the table. Then you appeal it, and then it gets remanded back, and then you end up having to go for another CMP exam. They just copy what the first pers- person did, and uh, <laughs> it, you know it, it's quite a nightmare. I know when you you wrote an IMO for me, you tore them up real good on their CMB exams and how ridiculous they were, and. yeah uh,
3: uh, uh. But, yeah,
2: but
3: right. now they don't even look at it. Yeah, so usually I try and get the veteran to put, you know, to put my CMP or my nexus letter or my DBQ in the chart, in the record before they go to the CMP exam, you know, and remind remind the CMP examiner's got to read my letter. That's normally what happens. And you're right, a lot of times now they're just denying them and getting them off the desk and call them on CUE and stuff like that. But and also the cases that go to the BVA usually will say, Doctor Bash wrote a letter, please so to his letter and. You know, evaluate it for positive and negative or whatever, and I send it back down. So, those usually get a good look at. But, you know, they is trying to clean up this backlog now. They're just denying things are exactly right and they're not even really reading much.
2: Well, yeah, I you can cave. ask. Oh. Uh, every time you go in for a CP exam, exam, uh, you can ask them to bring your letter forward so you can discuss.
3: Right, right, yep. The other, place, the other place they look at it, the other place they look at it pretty well is a statement of case. If you get to a point where you have a statement of case, usually they'll kind of discuss my letter. They're supposed to. There's VA, there's VA law that says they're supposed to discuss both negative and positive opinions. So if they don't, so if they don't discuss my letter, that's just another one of those errors that they have to deal with. Problem is, it just pushes that case down the road to an appeal. You know.
2: Well, the term uh, positive wasn't in their schooling, evidently. They only want to see the negative side. So if there's a way to uh, force them to bring the positive forward where you can properly discuss it, uh, that'd be the thing to do.
3: That's right. So like you said, when you go to the C&P exam or wherever, make sure that the doc knows that. My letter was in there. Make sure that I want to see a copy of the report when it comes out. And put those guys on notice that we're going to be reading what they write and what they have to review—the positives and the negatives. You know, it's just fair. It's the only fair way to do it.
2: Okay, that sounds good. More I, questions,
4: More questions, do you have any questions? Um, no. I was I was listening for your. Ten reasons, and I got that. that was, that's what I got answered.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on my, uh, on my on my on my website, I've got those things called bash bash bulletins. So maybe when we do radio shows, we'll go down. Like one of them's on CMP exam, and some of them are on different like secondary conditions. We can go down each one of those little bulletins, and we can read them and then talk about them. Might be another way to. Yes,
2: that's what I was uh, looking at there. Uh, i I put you on my bookmarkers where I can pull (laughs) it right up. There you go. So, and a lot of good information there, I must say. Yes, sir. I'd recommend uh, uh, everyone uh, uh, read that. It's got its, all that information condensed down very well, and it's easy to follow.
3: To so follow kind of some, of my some of my experiences, some of my experiences over you know twenty years doing this.
2: Yeah. Well, there's some good information there, Doctor. Uh, I
4: do have. If I could interrupt, yep. I do have a question, another question or two for you. Are, are there a lot right. of are there a lot of doctors that the veterans can get a hold of that can help them in, in the way that you can help them?
3: Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a disabled guy myself. I have my own injury, my own disability going through the VA, so I have kind of have a personal experience, and most other docs don't have that, so that puts my heart in the right spot. But there's some other guys out there that are trying to kind of follow my footsteps, but they don't have the same experience or. You know, the best way to find by experience is to go to the the Board of Veterans Appeals and read about cases, and you can read about 500 cases that I've done in there that are my name listed. So, um, you know, I've got a lot of experience, and usually I look at the secondary conditions and I try and make the cases as comprehensive as possible. Some of the other guys only maybe take one issue at a time and try and just do that one issue. But, you know, I think that I try to look at the whole body like a holistic approach and look for medical problems and try and solve the medical problems simultaneously when I'm doing their veterans' ratings. So if I if I come across a prostate cancer or kidney cancer or colon cancer, you know, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to work it up and make sure the patients get good medical care on that side too. So that's some of the some of the value added. I do DDQs. Other docs don't do DDQs. I write orders. You know, I can write orders. The VA allows for orders to be written across the system, so I write medical orders. Other docs don't do that stuff. So there's a lot of things I don't do. You know, I'm not necessarily smarter than they are, but I have a lot of experience to know how to make it work. So...
4: Right, right. And then if if a veteran, I know that you you gave out your email address, but um maybe and I I think there's a link to your website maybe even on Had it, but if not. Could you tell everybody what your oh, yes. website yeah, is? Yeah, my website. Too, so yeah, it, my website's
3: it, good. Yeah, my website's good. It's got it's got a little 2-minute video there from ABC News that I helped guy at Walter Reed, which is kind of proud of cuz we only had he talked to me and 5 hours later he got 100%, so I thought that was Nice, my fastest hundred percent case. But anyway, yeah, so yeah, so my website, you know, triple W and then Veterans with an S, so Veterans with an S. And the second, second little part is Med M E D, and the third little part is advisor all when we're at A-D-B-I-S-O-R, So Veterans um dot com. So if you Google if you Google Craig Bashman for Veterans Med Advisor, you'll find it that way too. Or Google Veterans Medical Opinion, you'll find me nicely that way too.
4: Great, great. I'm sure there's people out there listening that would want to
3: know that. How to get a hold of you? Better wait. Yeah. And I've got a little
4: future. Just so everybody knows, I have got a little future
3: infomercial. Um, I did a little like Charlie Rose question question and answer thing for six minutes and fifteen minutes. So I got a couple little videos, just like kind of like they had it, kind of like the radio show right now we're doing, where people mm-hmm. ask a questions and I answer. So I'm gonna put that on my website. Probably put it on YouTube. So you might be able to YouTube. Dr. Craig Bash will find that there pretty soon. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, Dr. It's little, Bash, yeah. uh
2: Bash, we're out of time here. Uh, uh, Podcast has done shut us down. So, appreciate you coming on. Hope we can get you back on real soon because we'd like to go through that list again. Keep it fresh in everyone's mind.
3: Yeah. All right, I'll do it. Say happy Happy 5th of July! Yeah. Thank you, sir, for your time. Yep.
2: yep.
3: Thank
1: you. See you guys later. Yep. Okay. okay. Bye. You're like just gonna hang her up, buddy. I guess we're done. I
2: guess we're done.
1: Goodbye, buddy. Bye later, buddy. God All boy. Right. who's ever listening? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't think anybody is right now.
1: All right, catch you later. All
2: right.